you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to episode 15 of the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer, and uh, we've got a pretty good show lined up for you today. Even though football season is over, there's still plenty to talk about in Michigan land. Um, I wish we had better things to talk about than what's on the agenda, but uh, there's some positive news kind of woven in there. But a, a lot of what's going on in, in football and basketball is a little bit controversial. There, we've, we've got some, uh, you know, some rumors flying around and i've got to tell you guys uh there's really only a few things that are certain in this universe and death taxes and jim harbaugh rumors to the nfl during the college football offseason happen to be three of those things just a season ago we were assured by coach harbaugh that he was going nowhere he was a michigan man to stay and that this would not become a yearly occurrence and then here we are again, talking about Harbaugh to the NFL. Now, you could say, and, and, and I have said, that a lot of this is the media that's stirring this up. It's not all on coach, right? He tends to be a, a relatively private person. He tends to talk in, in uh, weird, uh, you know, proverbs and euphemisms and, and, and different, you know, he... he Sometimes you have to decode what he's saying, um, and the media likes to run with that stuff. So for a lot of this, I've been I've been backing Coach Harbaugh and, and been saying uh, this this is much to do about nothing. Uh, but some of this is starting to feel very real again, and it's starting to feel like it did last year when he interviewed with the Vikings. It had a very clear impact on recruiting. And it kind of looks like we're in that same scenario again. So Harbaugh came out uh, recently, uh, at, you know, in the last week since, since I recorded the last pod with, with Lexi last week. And he did have a statement about the rumors about going to the NFL. He said, quote, I am aware of the rumors and speculation over the past few days. College and NFL teams have great interest in all of our personnel from players to coaches to staff, and I truly believe that it's a testament to the strength of our University of Michigan football program. As I stated in December, while no one knows what the future holds, I expect that I will be enthusiastically coaching Michigan in 2023. I have spoken with President Ono and Athletic Director Ward Manuel and appreciate their support of me and our program. Our mission as Wolverines continues, and we are preparing for the 2023 season with great passion and enthusiasm. As our legendary coach Bo Schembechler said, those who stay will be champions. Well, that about clears things up. Kind of not really. Uh, you know, it feels like he could have uh, maybe more firmly denied the coaching rumors. It, it, you know, he said, I expect that I'll be enthusiastically coaching Michigan. A lot of vague language. And part of that is just how Harbaugh talks. I think he, he doesn't feel like he needs to give uh, the media too much to run with. But in doing so, he tends to give them more to run with. 
Uh, he could have given us a very clear and enthusiastic, no, I'm not hearing any, any coaching offers. I'm a Michigan man. I'm here to stay. Uh, to put things in perspective, here's Jawan Howard's statement last year when the Lakers came knocking. Jawan said, there was a report of my name as a potential candidate for NBA coaching opportunities. While I am flattered and know it will, will more, more, likely, more than likely happen again, I am not exploring, seeking, or listening. I am the head coach at the University of Michigan, exclamation point. I am blessed to be working at the greatest university in the world. I am blessed to be guiding a group of wonderful young men. We have goals, dreams, and, ch and championships to win. This is where my focus is. Go blue. That's a little different than what we heard from Coach Harbaugh. What Coach Harbaugh said was, like, yeah, I'm committed to the team, and I'm going to be here next year, I think. Uh, but then it, it turns out he's potentially fielding offers. Some stories even go as far as to say that the Harbaugh camp uh, are the ones reaching out to these potential teams. Uh, CBS Sports uh, just released an article that claimed uh, that Harbaugh persistently initiated the talks uh, with the Carolina Panthers and that that, in fact, uh, was not an interview, but the Harbaugh camp persistently initiated the talks. So there's a couple ways to interpret what's going on. Um, it could be Harbaugh jockeying for position, right? This might be a signal to Ward Manuel about uh, the fact that Jim Harbaugh is currently the 12th highest paid coach in college football. And he's been to the, the college football playoffs uh, two out of the last two years, right? Consecutive years. And so that would theoretically make him one of the two or three or four best coaches in the nation, uh, certainly higher than, than 12. And so he, he might be jockeying for a contract, which would be fair. Technically, if, if anybody has the right to work themselves out a better contract, it's Jim Harbaugh. The thing that's a little, that makes me a little skeptical about that line of, of thinking is that Harbaugh has never really been motivated by money. Um, he, in fact, you know, he took those pay cuts very publicly uh, last season. He got bonuses for, for making the college football playoff and donated it back to university employees whose jobs were cut due to COVID. It doesn't really feel like uh, he, he's going to push for, to be the highest paid coach in college football or anything like that. But when it comes down to it, we all want to feel valued. We all want to get what we deserve. And, and Jim Harbaugh is no different. If he's if he's consistently fielding one of the top four or five teams in the country, I think he wants to be one of the top four or five coaches in the country and have uh, you know, the, the salaries on his staff to keep uh, this wonderful assistant coaching staff that he has together. But there are some other concerns. So these NFL rumors, these talks with, with the NFL, and, and by the way, as I was recording this episode, um, as I was preparing to record this episode, is when all of the, the leaks about the Denver interview came out. And so now we have this new uh, information about the Denver Broncos that uh, there's going to be a Zoom interview that, that Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh tend to be the leading candidates for that job. So, um, and this is after Harbaugh came out with that statement. So it's, it's very real that he's talking to NFL teams unless these stories are completely bogus which uh there's no way they are and if they were i feel like harbaugh would come out and discredit them immediately um 
The thing that's, that's a little worrisome about this is, of course, this is going to affect recruiting, right? In 2023, it affected our recruiting, and, and we know it. We had a, a, a you know much lower-ranked class than we should have coming off of a playoff appearance. And then something that we might not think about quite as much that's very real, uh, Sam Webb of Michigan Insider. And it, it, if, you, if any of you know Sam Webb, I mean, this, this guy's close to the program. Um, when it comes to Michigan news, this is the guy to listen to. Sam Webb said recently that donors are hesitant to give at the moment with the future of the head coaching job unclear. Now think about that. In the land of NIL and, and uh, facilities and, and, and you know, program momentum, money drives everything. And who, who generates the money, Right. It's, it's the university and it's the donors. Now, if the donors are hesitant to donate at a time like this with the head coaching job in jeopardy, of course, that's going to rec- it's going to affect the program and it's going to affect recruiting. So Black Monday is, is tomorrow. By the time you guys are listening to this pod, Black Monday will be upon us. Uh, what is Black Monday, you might ask? Well, that's the day in the NFL. Uh, that's the day following the final regular season game. It's typically when most of the the hiring and firing news in the NFL ramps up and gets the loudest. Uh, for about a week or two, we really will see a lot of movement. Uh, and that's where Jim Harbaugh's name is going to get thrown around. It's going to be interesting to see how Harbaugh responds to this. Is he going to come out and shut it down? Is Ward Manuel go, going to... Uh, come out and competitively outbid the NFL or, or give Harbaugh some of the things that he might need or might want in this situation. For Michigan fans, it's an anxious time because we're watching and, and, and things could go a lot of different ways. Harbaugh and this staff may return and make another run. Uh, we've got JJ and Donovan coming into their junior seasons with, with talent across the board on the defense and the offensive line. It just might be the most talented team we have returning in 15, 20 years. Uh, or is Harbaugh going to walk away from that? And potentially, we go on, we go on the search for a head coach, right? And, and I'm not going to get into the head coaching talk yet because we just don't know where we're at or what's going to happen. We'll talk about that at a later date if we do, in fact, need, need to, to hire a coach. But then we've got to worry about, are we hiring internally to try to retain some of these young, amazing former players that are on the staff? Or do we go out and try to get a big name? And th- those are, there's a very broad spectrum of, of ways that this could affect the Michigan program. And the way Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh, the program and the team responds in these, in these coming weeks are, is really going to shape the future of the Michigan football program. Fingers crossed that uh, the people that know more than we do are working behind the scenes to put this thing together because ultimately what we want to see as Michigan fans is the product on the field, right? We want to see JJ throwing touchdowns. We want to see Donovan running for touchdowns. And we want to win a national championship. We want to beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, and win a national championship. Whatever's going to get us closest to that is what we want to see. Harbaugh has proven to be a Michigan man in the past. Uh, I'm hoping that he's a Michigan man onward and upward and that we can, we can show up and win a national championship.
Now, moving on to our next story. Not to be outdone by the Kardashians, Harbaugh made news again this week. So story number two, also about Jim Harbaugh. Good news, you ask? And to that question, I emphatically answer, no, 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 not good news. Michigan is under investigation for multiple level two violations and a level one violation. Level one being the more serious of the two, according to the the NCAA standards. Uh, Harbaugh provided false and misleading information. That's that that was the the level one violation. The level two violations tended to have have to do with uh, practices being held with too many coaches on the field. Uh, People that are considered an analyst being involved in coaching, uh, watching workouts over Zoom. Relatively minor infractions, especially in today's day and age where, you know, teams are are moving millions of dollars around before players even show up on campus just to get them to commit. So these violations were not major. Major is not how I would describe these violations. But the thing that's haunting Harbaugh right now is that he provided, quote, false or misleading information. So you might ask, well, you know, what does that mean? Was he was he embezzling millions to pay off recruits? No, no, not not exactly. He he bought a recruit a burger at a restaurant called the Brown Jug in Ann Arbor. That's right. You heard me right. Harbaugh is under investigation right now and facing the possibility of suspension even as his head coach, you know, head coaching position for buying a recruit a hamburger. This comes when the landscape of the NCAA is seeing teams completely disregard the rules when it comes to pay-for-play NIL uh, guidelines. There's rumors that USC is actively pursuing Marvin Harrison Jr. on Ohio State's team right now. Marvin Harrison Jr.'s not even in the transfer portal, right? It's a blatant violation. And when I say they're actively pursuing him, it's very unlikely that they're just knocking on the door saying, please come to USC. Uh, money is very likely involved, especially with what we're seeing right now. You've got teams that, I'm not going to name names, but we've seen, we've seen teams drop reportedly millions of dollars um, in a pay-for-play style. Uh, and the NCAA's really turned a blind eye, right? And, and for those of you that think you can just pay a player to show up to your school, uh, that's actually not, not the way that NIL was designed. It's designed that when a player is already playing football, they can make money off their name, image, and likeness, right? That's what the NIL stands for. It's not, let's scrounge up a bunch of money from our boosters and see how much money we can, we can fit into a bag and drop a bag on a recruit to get them to show up. But that's what teams are doing, right? Because the lines are blurred right now, and it's the Wild West in college football. And the NCAA is doing nothing about it. Nothing about it. But what are they working on right now? They're investigating Jim Harbaugh, the head football coach of Michigan, for buying a recruit a hamburger. To me, this screams corruption in the NCAA. Somebody in there has a problem with Harbaugh and probably has a problem with his recent success. And that it feels like a targeted attack on Coach Harbaugh. And then you and then you start to look at the fact that he's 
fielding job offers uh, from the NFL. And it's hard to blame the guy, right? Harbaugh has always been, almost, almost to a fault, he's been uh, this uh, rule follower, right? And the University of Michigan, that's been the, that's been the criticism of, of Michigan in the age of NIL is that, is that they're not cranking it up. They're not paying players to come. They're not being competitive. They're not pushing the boundaries. Michigan made a commitment to do it the right way. And still you have this investigation and you have this targeted attack on Michigan and Coach Harbaugh. And I get it. I hear, I hear, I hear you guys when you, when you tweet at me and DM me and say, yeah, but, but Harbaugh lied. That, that's what he's under investigation for. He lied. Have you ever heard Jim Harbaugh talk? The, the dude literally talks in Proverbs and, and uh, mixed messages and, and metaphors. And uh, like, I don't even know. Like, that he may, in fact, have thought he was telling the truth when, when he gave his statement to the NCAA. So I, I'll, be, I'll be interested uh, to see when the details unfold and, and the information about the investigation comes out. What likely happened is Harbaugh made a mistake. He, he probably got a little irritated with the fact that he was being looked into for that. And, and uh, he may, in fact, have, have hid some stuff that he shouldn't have. But it seems so minor compared to what's going on in the NCAA. And, and I'll be interested to see how this unfolds, how the investigations actually impact his, his decision to stay at Michigan or his decision to go to the NFL if he gets a job offer. And so there's a lot hanging in the balance right now in Ann Arbor and and there will be more revealed in the coming weeks and you can bet at the Big House Bleachers podcast we will be talking about Jim Harbaugh for weeks to come hopefully in a positive respect in other football news uh we saw Taylor Upshaw hit the transfer portal uh you know this is one of those guys on on the defensive line that uh, played well at times, but never really, never really grew into what we thought he could become. Uh, he was a four-year player at Michigan. He's taking advantage of that extra year of eligibility. He announced that he would hit the transfer portal as a graduate. His final career stats at Michigan are 37 total tackles, 10 for loss, five and a half sacks. And I think he will always be remembered for that big interception uh, this past season at Ohio State. That was really, really his shining moment. Um, quality, quality player, uh, great student athlete. We wish him the best moving on, but Michigan has so much talent on that D-line returning. I think he saw that the writing was on the wall and he was likely not going to get the playing time and the snaps uh, that he would need to get to be considered for, for a, you know, a, a spot in the draft. So. He's likely looking for a change of scenery to uh, hopefully improve his his draft stock. Um, and then there was a less surprising Michigan player that that hit the transfer portal. And you guessed it. It's Andrell Anthony. Andrell Anthony will forever be remembered for his game against Michigan State in 2021. He he finishes his career with with 328 yards and four touchdowns and and really about half of those stats came came in one game. He's a two-year player. He played freshman his freshman season and his sophomore season at Michigan. 
uh, and actually actually digressed in his second year. Year one had 12, 12 catches for 248 yards and three touchdowns. And then this season, seven catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. And for a team that doesn't have a ton of five-star talent across the board at receiver, it was it was peculiar to say the least that he just didn't get more snaps on offense this year. It was one of those head scratchers that we saw on the team. And Cornelius Johnson really emerged. Ronnie Bell, of course, was great. And and Roman Wilson was that third guy. Uh, A.J. Henning didn't get a ton of snaps, but he was around. And then Andrell Anthony was that other guy that we really thought uh, would excel in a Michigan uniform. But just seven catches this past season and one touchdown. And I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly that his only touchdown last year was on a fluke play, right? I, th- I think it was the one where Ronnie Bell fumbled it into the end zone and Andrell recovered it. And so that was his only touchdown of the season wasn't even a, a an Andrell Anthony reception. So we wish him well. He's getting he's getting a lot of offers from a lot of great schools. Uh, Michigan State seems to be one of the leading candidates. That would be interesting to say the least. Talk about irony, right? He torched torched Michigan State in his his best game as a, as a Wolverine. Uh, of course, if he does cross enemy lines, uh, you know, the, the rivalry is still very alive with me. You're, you're dead to me, Andrell, if you do that. But uh, there's, there's a lot of talk. It looks like, it looks like Oklahoma is a possible landing spot for him and, and might be a good landing spot that Oklahoma has kind of a reeling team that's looking to rebuild and might be a good second chance uh, opportunity for him. So we wish him the best no matter where he goes as long as it's not Ohio State or Michigan State. Um, so we will see about that. That about wraps up the football news for this week. But uh, I wish I had more good news for you guys, but it's it's been a little bit of a rough week for Michigan sports. Uh, Michigan basketball had a uh, very big game against arch rival Michigan State and the Fighting Tom Izzo's. This game was frustrating to say the least. It was. Uh, it had a similar story and rhythm as the TCU Michigan Fiesta Bowl. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is Michigan came out and made some uncharacteristic mistakes early, really struggled to get going, uh, then started to turn it up and, and really find a rhythm and do some, do some really good things, but it was just too little too late. The game was competitive near the end when it probably shouldn't have been based on how poorly Michigan played, just like the football game, right? Just like the TCU game. And then Michigan didn't quite do enough to win. The final score was Michigan 53, Michigan State 59. That was at Breslin, so Jawan Howard still hasn't won on the road against Michigan State. The good news for him is he hasn't lost at home. So... Of course, they they will still play a game at Chrysler this season, and the pressure will be on Jawan to get a dub in that game. Just looking over the the team's stats, you know, Michigan's field goal percentage ended up at thirty four point five percent. That's a misleading number because it it felt much lower. I think they made some shots late in the game that increased that number. The real shooting number that stands out is three out of twenty from behind the arc. 
That's 15%. I don't know about you guys, but that that's just wild to me. When I look, when I look at a team that shot three from 20 behind the arc against a quality opponent, and they only lost by six, Michigan was very much in this game. Uh, you know, and another thing that they did wrong early that 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 they turned around in the second half was was turnovers. We saw Michigan commit nine turnovers in the first half of this game, which is right around their season average for a game. And I'm looking now at the at the box score. They had ten turnovers total, so that means they only turned the ball over one time in the second half. So uh, there's a lot of things to really be optimistic about when it comes to this Michigan basketball team. They struggled against Kentucky and came up short. They struggled against North Carolina and came up short. They struggled against Virginia and came up short. They struggled against Michigan State and came up short. But every single one of those games was competitive. The Central Michigan game, there's really no excuse for that, right? Like that That's the stain on Michigan's resume right now that, that they're likely going to have to wash out with a couple really good quad one wins down the stretch if they want to be considered as a tournament team but there's a lot of talent on this team and they're playing competitive against a lot of really good teams and so they might be able to get over the hump technically still tied for first place in the big 10 uh, based on the fact that they are three and one and every other team in the big 10 has at least one one loss but as a Michigan fan, I don't think you can sit there and, and uh, rest your hat on the fact that Michigan is is in first place uh, of the Big Ten just based on the fact that we have so many non-conference losses. Um, let's go ahead and take a look at, uh, since it's around mid-season, I would love to dive into uh, you know a, a breakdown of each player on the team let, let let's let's do a little mid-season evaluation i've been i've been looking at the roster i've been thinking about who's been playing well who needs to improve and and uh let's take a look at this here so starting with hunter dickinson uh dickinson is, he is who we thought he was right he leads the team in points rebounds blocks there's no denying that he's one of the best big men in the country. Uh, the downside of his game this season, if you're going to evaluate him, is very simple. Leaders are judged by how their teams perform in clutch minutes and, and, and you know in big games. And right now, Michigan has not performed well enough to get wins in big games. It's very simple. And so when you're when you're a leader like Hunter Dickinson is, you're evaluated on how your team plays. It's not good enough to be the leading scorer on a team that loses the game. If, if you are the man, you have to show up in big minutes, you have to throw the team on your back, and you have to win the game. And so that's my challenge to Hunter Dickinson for the remainder of the season. I think everybody would would agree that Jet Howard is probably considered the number two guy on this team. Um, he's definitely the most pro ready freshman since the Fab Five. I don't think I've seen a freshman that that's this pro ready. Uh, his game is smooth. He's confident. It's almost effortless out there. He 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 has a, a great three point shooting percentage. He's he's got a little bit of swag. He's calm, cool, collected on the floor, but. He struggled against Michigan State, right? And these guys, 
these guys that might be one and done players, uh, at least he's probably a two and done player at most. These guys are going to be evaluated by how they play in the biggest games against against teams like Michigan State. And he was, uh, you know, mediocre at best in that Michigan State game. And so that's really my criticism for Jet so far is that that he needs to step up in the big games. It's it's great to make a bunch of shots and score a bunch of points against teams that you're supposed to wax, but you need to get out there and 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 make sure that you're supporting Hunter Dickinson, that you're 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 one of the leaders on the team, that you don't get startled as a freshman in, in the in the big moments. And I don't think he's necessarily uh I don't think the moments are too big for Jet, but I think that based on this Michigan State game. Um, he's going to have to do more uh, to be considered, a, you know, a lottery draft pick or or to be considered a great Michigan basketball player. And so I'm excited to see the sky is the limit for this kid. And, and I think he's up to the challenge. I really do. I'm a huge, huge believer in Jet Howard. And, and I think we're going to see him do some pretty miraculous things down the stretch for us. Um, the guy that I see as the third best player on the team has got to be Kobe Bufkin. He he actually leads the team in minutes right now. I believe he's scored du- in double figures every game except for one. I don't quote me on that, but I think that's right. Um he's averaging about 12.4 points a game, which that's what that's what you want to see. You want to see double figures out of your out of your third best scorer. Um the thing I love the most about Kobe Bufkin is he's got these long arms. He's you, you know, I've, I've seen him several times very wide on the perimeter uh, defensively disrupting the, the ball handlers on, on the opposing teams. He oftentimes can get a steal or, or, or force a turnover with his, his, his long arms and his frame. Uh, his defensive pressure around the perimeter is great. Uh, and on offense, he's a high flyer, right? He's the kind of the resident dunk champion. He can get to the rim. He's he he can get high, you know, fast. He can he can go up and and score. And we, we even saw that in the Michigan State game where the team was not playing great. Kobe Bufkin had multiple plays where he got to the rim fast and 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 finished close to the rim. And so there is a lot of positivity about uh, surrounding this former uh, McDonald's All American, and he's only going to get better. That I mean, the, this kid is going to be good. Um, Hunter Dickinson, Jet Howard. Kobe Bufkin, those three, if they continue to improve, that can be one of the best, you know, cores in the Big Ten without a doubt. Moving on to who we thought might be the fourth best player on the team or, or, you know, fourth most important player on the team is Terrence Williams. there's, There's no way around it that we knew that if Michigan was going to have a successful basketball season this year, Terrence Williams was going to have to show up. I'm going to start with the positives here. I'm going to, you know, I I know T. Will has been under a lot of criticism from the fan base right now, but I am going to start with some some positives. He's he's very calm. He's cool. He's collected. Uh, he he does have a diverse skill set, and he's experienced, right? I mean, there, there's really no substitute for experience. He's played in some big games at Michigan, and and I think sometimes down the stretch that. That tends to show up, and, and it's very positive. Now, some of that calm, cool, and collected bleeds into what I believe are some negative attributes about T. Will. It's, it, 
it, it's really like, where, where's the passion? Where's the energy? He, it, it, sometimes it feels like he's, he's scared to take the open shot. He's, he's not being aggressive. He's fading away from the basket. Uh, it's time for him to step up. I mean, quite frankly, and, and I, I love T-Will. I'm a, I'm a T-Will supporter, but if you're going to be a starter on a, on a, a team that's, that was you know ranked coming into the season and has aspirations of, of getting to the NCAA tournament, you're going to have to make some plays. There's no way around it. You, you have to make some plays. And what we're seeing right now is almost a lackadaisical energy from him. Uh, at times, it seems like he's a little lost on the court. He's a little bit checked out. And this is the guy that we're going to need to see more from if Michigan's going to succeed. And uh, I know a lot of people have been calling to get get him out of the starting lineup. Um, that You know, I, I can't say that I disagree with that. I, I think that Terrence Williams is is a great sixth man off the bench, but he he just doesn't seem to fit into the starting lineup right now. And, and uh We'll talk here in a little bit about who maybe could step into the starting lineup in his place. Uh, moving on to the point guard position, Jalen Llewellyn was expected to be that fifth guy, expected to be the floor general. And of course, Llewellyn went down with a season-ending ACL tear. Uh, we hope he heals up and gets better. And, and uh, that's really rough. It hurt the depth of the front court of, of this Michigan team. And in st- steps... Little Dougie Fresh, little Doug McDaniel. Uh, he brings a spark to the front court, if I'm being honest. He, he, he brings a little bit of crispness and raw swag that, that almost resembles Frankie Collins, right? Like he's a, he's a different player, but he brings a little bit of that, that quickness and energy that Frankie brought that we didn't quite see from, from Jalen Llewellyn. Uh, he's a good passer. Not a great passer, but he's a good passer. He does he does technically lead the team in assists per game right now, and he's overall he's just an exciting player, right? He's got a lot of pas- positive attributes. I'm I'm glad to see that he, that he's in the starting lineup, and I'm excited to see where where Doug McDaniel goes with this team. I think he's got a, a very bright career ahead of him with Michigan. But if you're if you're going to identify any downside with with Doug McDaniel's, it's 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 very simply that he's a he's a freshman, not like Jet Howard's a freshman. Like D- Doug is a freshman, like like you would expect a freshman to be. Sometimes he gets a little turned around. He'll make a turnover. He'll make a bad pass. He'll take an ill advised shot, and and uh, those are the things that he's going to learn from Jawan in this in this coaching staff is when it's okay to make a move and try to get to the basket or take an outside shot, and and when that's actually hurting the team. Right now. He hasn't quite found his rhythm. He's had some really bright moments. And then, you know, against Michigan State, he just about disappeared, right? And that and that's what you sometimes see out of out of young guys in these big rivalries. And I have faith in Doug McDaniel. I think he's gonna step up and develop and be a really good player, but it will be interesting to see how quickly he can step into a uh, you know, major Big Ten starting point guard role because I, I think he's still Still working on getting the hang of it. Uh, moving to the bench, I, I think I'd like to start with Jet Baker. Um, Jet Baker is a is the Duke transfer, and he's known as a three-point sharpshooter, and we've seen at times why that is. He, he clearly can shoot from behind the arc. 
the thing that surprises me about Jet is he actually shows some versatility. I, I think he can get to the basket. Um, I think at times he's a really good defensive presence and a, a, a very uh, good off-ball defensive player at times. Um, the thing I would love to see more from with with uh, I'm sorry, I was calling him Jet Baker for some reason. Joey Baker is his name. We're, we're talking about Joey Baker. Um, there's only one Jet on this team. So uh, Joey Baker is actually, you know, I, I want to see a little bit more aggre- aggressiveness out of him, right? If you're going to be a three-point sharpshooter, you need to come out and shoot th- the three. And now, granted, I might be that might be a little unfair because he did that against Michigan State. He came out and cranked up three of three of them in a row and hit back iron on all three, and and uh, you know they just weren't falling for him, and 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 that can be tough. But I really believe if Joey if Joey Baker stays aggressive on the offensive side of the floor, uh, he could become truly that sixth man, especially that sixth man in the guard position. And so um, there's a lot of talent coming off of the bench. Uh, if, if we if we go down low to, to Hunter Dickinson's backup, of course, that's Terrace Reed. Now, Terrace Reed, this is a guy to get excited about. Uh, Terrace Reed is showing an enormous amount of potential in the low post. He's starting to look more comfortable down there. In the first, the first five or six or seven games, it was like, ah, this guy's, you know, raw. He's... He's big, but he's he's a little bit lost out there. And then something happened. Right around the time we started conference play, something happened with Terrace Reed. Uh, props to the coaching staff and the work that they're doing with him. But he has found his comfort zone. He he is uh, making moves in the low post. He's finishing stronger. Uh, I love that he made a free throw against Michigan State. That was something I've, I've been looking at with him Uh He's surprisingly agile for a big guy. I, I think he's listed at 6'10", and he doesn't really look like he would he would be that agile, but he moves really well and tends to possess the ball well with those big hands. And so uh, this is a guy that we will definitely see improve a lot down the stretch. He will get better game after game after game. And he he's one of those guys that's likely going to look like a sophomore by the end of the year. and. Um, it will be interesting to see if his minutes increase. Uh, it's hard to get him increased minutes with Hunter Dickinson being our main player, but um, I, you know, I wonder if we'll ever see Dickinson and Terrace Reed on the floor at the same time. I, I'm not recommending that we do that much, but it would be a little interesting to see if those two could could get a few minutes together. Uh, that's something that that. I'll keep an eye out for in Big Ten play, especially if we're playing some of these teams that have, you know, larger big guys down low. Uh, Fan favorite now here, moving on to this guy, uh, Will Cheddar. Will Cheddar is a high-energy guy. He's a glue guy. Uh, The fan base has been calling for him to get a lot more minutes. Um, I tend to agree a little bit with, with with everybody that's calling for Cheddar to get more minutes, but I, I'm leaning a little bit more towards Jace Howard getting those minutes, if I'm being honest with you. I, I like I like Jace Howard's game to be a glue guy. I think uh Cheddar's a little bit more aggressive. He's looking to shoot a little bit more than Jace Howard is. 
the the thing that I still have question marks around with Cheddar is he he feels a little bit out of control, um, and and I don't know if he'll hone that in as he gets a little bit more comfortable or if if uh, that's just kind of ingrained in his game. He feels a little bit out of control to me, but. But I hear you guys. I mean, the, the the dude comes out ready to play. He's pump faking. He's rebounding. He's got hands up on defense. Like the the dude is working, and he wants more minutes. and And I think that he will, in fact, be rewarded with more with more minutes. But I would love to see him be a little bit more under control. Um, comparing him to Jace Howard, who I think could get, who is also kind of a glue guy, right? He's one of those guys that could play multiple positions. I I like Jace because he's got a very large frame. He's aggressive on defense, and he's a rebounder. And rebounding's been one of those things that's been a little tough for Michigan. He he goes after loose balls. Um, the Michigan State game is not the best game to look at if I'm if I'm trying to make a case for Jace Howard. He made he made some critical mistakes in that game where where Will Cheddar actually uh, played a better game than Jace. And so if you're looking at just the Michigan State game. I, I would have to agree with you, Cheddar. Cheddar's the guy, but um, overall, just based on what we know about those two players, I, I think I'd like to see Jace Howard get more minutes and maybe even rotate into some of those T. Will minutes a little bit more. Um, you know, he Jace just doesn't have the skill set that his brother has, uh, so he has to he has to approach the game a little bit differently, right? It, it, if we're comparing the Howard brothers, which is Probably not a fair comparison, but they're related, so we're going to do it anyway. Uh, Jet Howard just has a, a wider skill set, right? He's got that pro-level skill set. He's much more comfortable and skilled on offense when it comes to handling the ball and scoring. And so I don't think we're ever going to see that out of Jace. Jace is going to be an effective hustle, rebound, defensive presence glue guy and and. uh you know, I love him for it. I think those are the guys that help you win basketball games. So whether it's Will Cheddar or Jace Howard, uh, that's the energy this team needs. And so whatever we got to do to get those guys some more minutes. Um, before we wrap up, I really want to touch on Isaiah Barnes. Isaiah Barnes is not a guy that I thought we would be seeing a lot of this year. And and uh, props to Jawan and the staff. They found a way to get him in the game. Um He's surprised me. He's he's actually surprised me with some really solid minutes. You can see the comfort factor improving with Isaiah. Uh, he actually has a nice little well-rounded game. He's kind of versatile, but uh, he he's just he's not gonna he's not he's not there yet, right? Like I, I think he's got a year to go before we can really get him minutes when the game's on the line when we really need him, but. But uh, he, he's trending in the right direction. There's no way around it. Isaiah Barnes is trending in the right direction. And then, of course, you've got uh, Greg Glenn and, and Yo-Yo, Yusuf Kayet. I don't think that we're going to see either one of those guys make an impact this season. They, 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 those are definitely scholarship players that we could see in the future make an impact. But it just doesn't seem like either one of those guys are going to make an impact uh, this year. So uh, that, that kind of wraps up my, my Michigan basketball rant. I wanted, I wanted to go player by player for th- those fans that listen to the podcast that are really, really looking at the roster and looking at what can Michigan do to make a run at the tournament. Um, like we've seen, there's a lot of positive attributes on this team. 
a lot of room for improvement. So only time will tell. Can Michigan get some of these big quad one wins, avoid any messy, nasty blowout losses, and and potentially make a run at the tournament? I think they can. I think we have a very good, a very good chance of doing so. And we'll be there as Michigan fans every step of the way to uh, support this team and, and, and watch them like the good, good fans that we are. All right, moving on. Before we wrap up the podcast, I would love to take a look with you guys at a player that made some waves in football this offseason. So let's transition back, back to football. Let's let's talk a little bit about our guy Ernest Hausman. So Ernest Hausman, for those of you that don't know, is a Nebraska transfer portal player that committed to Michigan and and really highlights this this Michigan class in the transfer portal. Michigan's class is currently ranked number four overall if you look at two four seven sports, which tends to be the the you know the one that I use. I'll look at rivals and on three sometimes. They, you know, ESPN has some good rankings, but 247 is really a reliable transfer portal ranking system. And Michigan's class is ranked num- number four nationally. And, and Hausman is actually ranked as the, the number two transfer in the country. So he's right up there at near the top. Very talented guy. Uh, for those of you that don't know much about Hausman, He's a native of Uganda. He was born in Uganda. He was adopted at five years old by Teresa and Robert Hausman. Um, I read a little bit about how that that adoption was. It was kind of messy. It went for a, a couple of years. I think it technically went through when he was two years old and he was still in Africa. And then by the time he was five, he finally got over to the States. And it sounded like he was escaping a little bit of a rough situation. And so... Um, a lot of times you see those guys are high character, high character guys that can that have been through some adversity. Uh, immediately, my thought goes to Junior Colson. Uh, there were some really great stories on Junior Colson this season. Uh, that he 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 was born in Haiti and and escaped you know kind of a rough situation there, and and has proven to be a really tough player on this this Michigan defense. And and sure enough, Hausman is also a linebacker, so he'll be playing alongside. Junior Colson. So there's some interesting similarities there. But, uh, you know, after the trials and tribulations of his adoption process, he grew up in Nebraska. He committed to, uh, or he played his ball at, at, at his high school football at Columbus High in Nebraska. And like, like a lot of good, good kids in, in Nebraska Cornhusker land, he committed to the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Um, he did have a Michigan offer at the time, but he committed to Nebraska in 2020 and played played actually an outstanding freshman season uh, at Nebraska. He He's no stranger to Michigan, in fact. His best game, or, or what I would consider one of his two best games in his freshman year, uh, was actually against Michigan, where he had 10 tackles and a sack. He actually sacked J.J. McCarthy. Uh, where if, some of you might even remember this in the ne- Nebraska game, JJ uh, scrambled, escaped the the pocket. Hausman chased him out, you know, to the to the sideline and and tackled JJ, where where JJ really had nowhere to go. And uh, we know how fast and elusive JJ McCarthy is, and Hausman really swallowed him up for the sack for the the, the tackle for loss. And so, um, 
watching a little bit of Hausman's high school tape, I can tell you guys, he's a sideline to sideline linebacker. He is quick. He is agile. He moves. He gets around. He actually played a little bit of wide receiver. He was a two-way player in high school. And so you, you could see he's, he's comfortable in space. He's a ball hawk. You know, he gets to the ball. He can make a tackle behind the line of scrimmage. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see after a year of strength and conditioning with Ben Herbert, our strength and conditioning coach, you know, can he become the next maybe even Devin Bush style linebacker at Michigan? I know that's a big name to throw around, but when you look at how well he played and the skill set he possesses, uh, and another year of of development under this coaching staff, or hopefully this coaching staff, I really believe he could be Michigan's next great linebacker. And uh, time will tell if if Michael Barrett returns. Of course, you've got Junior Colson, Jimmy Rolder, uh, Nikai Hill Green if he gets healthy. So he's going to be competing with some some talented players. But I would expect him to start next year at linebacker and and have an immediate impact on this team. So. It will be very exciting to see how Ernest Hausman uh, impacts the team and progresses at Michigan. All right, let me take a breath. I'm I'm flying solo today, so I I know I know I hit you guys with a lot. If you're still with me, thank you so much for listening. I love talking Michigan football and basketball. Uh, you guys should know that by now. This is my passion. This is what I do. I could go for hours and hours and hours, but. Um, I have a wife and a kid, so I probably shouldn't talk for hours and hours and hours. I got to get back to daddy duty here. Um, We've got a lot to talk about next week, I'm sure. We'll see if Jim Harbaugh entertains any of these NFL offers. We may have a little bit of recruiting news. There's been rumblings that Domani Jackson, the great secondary player from, uh, you know, the West Coast could, could make his way to Michigan. And then, of course, we'll be talking Michigan basketball. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Wolverine Cron. Of course, I have a website, WolverineChronicle.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe to, to the Wolverine Chronicle YouTube channel. You can Google that and find it. But I'm, I, I think if you just put YouTube.com slash Wolverine Chronicle, you can probably find it there as well. Um, you guys have an excellent week. Continue rooting on the maize and blue, even during our struggles. If you're a diehard fan, we will, of course, be back next week. I'm going to see if my partner, Matt Matt Hartwell, will come back from his L.A. trip. We'll see if he has any uh, any stories for us. He's been New York to L.A. to Florida, so he's been all over the country, and we'll see how Matt is doing. Uh, you guys have a great week, and as always, go Blue. <laughs>